Hello friends, welcome to the Hillside Church podcast. My name is Brad and I serve Hillside Church as the lead pastor. We're so glad to be able to share God's word with you in this way. God has so much in store for you and for your life. And one of the ways God works in our lives is through the study of his word, like the message you're about to hear. Our prayer for you is that as you share in this message, if it's me preaching or if it's someone else, is that God's word would minister to your heart and life in a most powerful way. Thanks again for being part of our church family. God bless you. You can join me in Acts chapter 1 this morning. Um, This week we're starting a new sermon series called A Fire Inside. And we're going to spend the next good long while, probably the next two months, January and February, looking at the Holy Spirit and, and what it means for us that we have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is is the name that's given to every believer. It's the the Spirit of God that comes and dwells in each of us. And and it allows for us to live our lives in a way that just aren't normal. That, That the Holy Spirit is what empowers us to live differently. That, that we're, we're called as followers of Jesus, we're, we're called as Christians to not just live life like everyone else. We're not called to just blend into the background, the scenery of this world. We're called to stand out. In fact, in the Old Testament, what you see is that, that God's laws that he gave to, to, to Israel, that he gave to his people, were to cause them to do that. We're to cause them to stand out from their neighbors. That's why they weren't allowed to eat the stuff that the other neighbors could eat. That's why they lived life differently. That's why they did things differently was so that people could identify who the followers of God was, who the followers of Yahweh were, because they lived differently. And now for us, we're given the Holy Spirit that empowers us to live differently. But it's not in what we eat and, and it's not in, in some of the, those things. It's, it's a difference based on the way we live, the way we love, the way we care, the, the, that we are to be identifiably different from the world around us. And we're empowered to do that through the Holy Spirit. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at what it means that the Holy Spirit empowers our lives in his unique and special ways. But I want to begin this week by by beginning to talk about what Jesus had to say about the Holy Spirit. Jesus actually speaks about the Holy Spirit quite a bit, Um, especially in the book of John. We we have a lot of Jesus speaking about this coming Holy Spirit that that he talks about, that his Father would send. And actually, he says some pretty remarkable things about the Holy Spirit. Like to his disciples, those people who have followed him for three years, that have given his life, given their lives to Jesus, he, he will say to his followers, it's actually better for you if I leave. That Jesus would say, it's actually better for you, better for his disciples, if Jesus was to leave. Because if Jesus leaves, then the Father will send the Holy Spirit. He he will say, it's to your advantage that I go. Because then you'll have the Holy Spirit. 
Now, that's the reality that you and I live in. Is, is we live in a world where we don't have a physical Jesus anymore, but we are each given the Holy Spirit. The trouble is, I think that for a lot of us, we maybe don't accept that trade the way we should. That, that we can think, man, I just wish I had Jesus. If only Jesus was here. If only I had, I wish I could just be with you. I wish I could just have Jesus. Meanwhile, Jesus is saying, actually, it's better for you if you've got the Holy Spirit. And so we want to take a look and understand what is it that makes the Holy Spirit the best deal for us? What is it that makes it to our advantage that we've got the Holy Spirit? And today what I want to focus on is what amounts to Jesus' last words to his disciples. The last thing that he says to them before he ascends to heaven. And this is found in Acts chapter 1 starting at verse 4 where it will say on one occasion, so the book of Acts is like a sequel to the book of Luke. The same person who wrote Luke, Luke, wrote Acts. And, and they're, they're, they consist of two letters to his friend Theophilus. And so the book of Acts is a letter written to a guy named Theophilus, and he writes about the life of Jesus. And then he writes another letter to his friend Theophilus, and he writes about, writes about the birth of the church, and so when he's writing on one occasion, he's writing about an instance in the life of Jesus that takes place. And so on one occasion, while he, talking about Jesus, was eating with them, he's talking about Jesus' followers, his disciples, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized you with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now in a few weeks, we're going to talk specifically and go in depth about what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. But that's for a couple weeks from now. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Now unironically, that is one of my favorite verses in all of the Bible. I, I love that verse because of what it represents. What, it rep, what, what, what his disciples are asking Jesus. Jesus, their friend who was just dead a couple of weeks ago. What, what, a, what a moment this, what a, what a mind moment this must be in their life. We, we all have those moments, in, in maybe you've experienced, where all of a sudden sort of life catches up to you and everything that's happened, and you just sort of go, whoa, what was that? Maybe after a busy season or, or maybe after a, a, a really important day. I remember one of the things that, that I tell people when I do premarital counseling with them is, is I will tell them, just so you know, your wedding day will go by faster than any other day in your life. That you will spend so long preparing for that day, and then just like that, it's over. And at the end of the day, you go, what just happened? And I think for the disciples, this is probably one of those moments where they're sitting down, and they look across the table, and they say, Jesus, and they see Jesus, and they think, how did we get here? Just, just a couple weeks ago, 
Jesus was taken captive. And all the disciples scattered and they ran because they were afraid they were going to be captured. So they ran and they scattered and they saw Jesus killed like a criminal. And yet here they are having dinner together. What a moment that must be. But so as they're sharing dinner with their friend who died and came back to life, they ask them this question. Lord, are you, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? What they are asking him is, Jesus, is it now that you're going to go defeat Rome? They had this understanding that the purpose that Jesus had come for was to establish an earthly kingdom. Even though Jesus had told them over and over and over again, the kingdom of heaven is like this, my kingdom is like this, and none of it had to do with government authority. None of it had to do with land. None of it had to do with being the head of an empire. But the disciples, even after Jesus has died and rose again, they say, well, now? And it's so comforting to me because it reminds me that Jesus' disciples weren't these sort of finished products who always got everything all the time. Even after Jesus' resurrection, they were still getting things wrong. But Jesus was still sitting with them and loving them and talking to them about how he was going to build his church through them. And that gives me so much hope. Because I know that I'm not this finished product that gets everything right all the time. But God still is willing to use me. And so for you, be encouraged this morning. If you look at your own life and you say, I am far from a finished product. These are men who had spent three years having Jesus teach them day in and day out. And even after Jesus died and rose again, he still, they still looked at him and asked, them, asked him dumb questions. Asked him questions that showed they did not get it. And so be encouraged today. If you don't get it, that's okay. We're all still a work in progress. Now that doesn't really have much to do with what we're going to talk about this morning. But it does next week. Next week, we're going to revisit this in light of what takes place in Acts chapter 2. But continuing with our, our text this morning, verse 7 says, And he said to them, That's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. Essentially, Jesus is saying, Stop asking that question. I'm not going to tell you the answer to that. that, that the answer to that question is not for you to know. Stop asking. And then we get one of the most famous verses about the Holy Spirit, we read, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Jesus makes this promise to them that, that this Holy Spirit, the one that I told you that it would be better for you if, if you had the Holy Spirit and not me, he's coming and he's coming soon. And when he comes, it's going to allow you to have this special power that will enable these men who just don't quite seem to get it 
and allow them to bring the message of Jesus to the whole world. But what I want to do for this week is I want to just take a quick look at three words that Jesus uses to talk about what the Holy Spirit will do when it comes on them, what the Holy Spirit will do when it comes on us, what the results of that will look like. The first word that I want to look at is back in verse 5 when Jesus said, For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And the word I want to focus on is baptized. Jesus tells us that we're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Like I said, a couple, in a couple weeks, we're going to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit specifically and what that means. But today, I just want to highlight for you the word picture that Jesus gives us here. The word that is used here is the Greek word baptizo, baptizo. And it just means dipping, submerging, or immersing. With, with actually a specific focus on cleaning something. That, that it's, it's a common word. And, and it's how you would describe maybe doing your laundry. That you put it in the water and you, you put it all the way in the water to clean it. But, but if you've been part of a church for a while or part of our church for a while, you probably have a specific idea that comes into your mind when we talk about the word baptize. And that's when we do baptisms. When we get out the hot tub. When we hopefully don't flood the church. As Dominic Buchanan, Ryan and Evie's four-year-old son put it, well, why is Pastor Brad putting on a show and pushing people underwater? <laughs> For four-year-olds, it can be a hard concept to grasp. But we perform, but we perform baptisms where we immerse people in water. You go all the way under. As a, and then we pull them back out as a symbol of their new life in Jesus. And John is saying, or, or Jesus is saying, that just like how John, the John he's talking about here is John the Baptist, that's Jesus' cousin, who baptized Jesus. And Jesus is saying, just like how John would take people and put them all the way underwater and bring them all the way back out of the water. That's what it'll be like when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit. And this is an important picture for us to understand. Because sometimes when we think about the Holy Spirit, we, we can think about it like our own personal Tinkerbell or, or our own personal Jiminy Cricket. A, a little voice that will rest and say, let your conscience be your guide. Or, or this little thing that, that comes along and it's this little addition to our lives that, that sometimes helps make things a little better. Sometimes gives us a little word of wisdom, but it's, it's just like this new little character that, that lives on our shoulder. But Jesus compares the coming of the Holy Spirit to water baptism. And when you're baptized, it's not just a little bit of water. It's not just a sprinkling. It's not just a couple of drops. It's all of you. Soaking wet. And when you're baptized, we make sure to remind you to pinch your nose. Because if you don't pinch your nose, water's going to get all up in there. 
And we don't want you coming back out of the water, sneezing out water, and then somebody else has to get baptized after you. So we remind you, pinch your nose, because if you don't, or, or because water goes everywhere. And so what Jesus is telling us is that when you get baptized with the Holy Spirit, it's like being baptized in water. It gets everywhere. Every part of us is touched because we've been baptized. It's going everywhere. It's not just a couple of drops. It's not a nice little addition to your life, but it's going to get everywhere and touch every part of you. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, you get soaked in the Holy Spirit. The second word I want to look at when it comes to us, or that comes to us as a result of baptism, the soaking of the Holy Spirit, and that will jump ahead to verse 8, where it will say, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. I want to focus on the promise that we're given in the Holy Spirit when we're soaked, that we're going to receive power. Now the word power here is the Greek word dunamis. And it means power, might, strength, or operational energy. And this is what it means for us now. Now because we've been submerged and immersed in the Spirit, we're not left on our own. That the Holy Spirit actually makes a difference in our lives and in the things we do. That I no longer have to lean on and trust in me to be who God has called me to be, to do what God has called me to do. But instead, the Holy Spirit will fill me with power to do that. The Holy Spirit is going to bring a new way of living into my life. And the Holy Spirit is going to bring along the power and the strength to live that life. To live for Christ to represent Christ, and to share Christ with the world. One of the things that we're going to do over the course of this sermon series is we're going to take a look at what the Bible teaches us about our spiritual gifts. And we'll obviously go deeper into that later, but part of what we're going to talk about is exactly that. That God has given you special gifts in your life. Talents, abilities, personality traits, dispositions, mindsets, and even the supernatural. That God has given us gifts. God has given you gifts. And sometimes the gifts of the Spirit manifest themselves in ways that seem ordinary. God gives me more patience. Because of the Holy Spirit, I, I'm naturally inclined to serve. And so I, I'm happy to help stack chairs. Or I, I, I'm happy to serve in different ways. Because of the Holy Spirit, I, I have an increased sense of empathy to the people around me. And I can just sense when, when people need a hand on their shoulder, they, they need somebody to talk to. And because of the Holy Spirit, sometimes the gifts manifest themselves in ways that are wholly unnormal, in ways that are supernatural. Because of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we can pray for Linda 
to be healed and believe that she will be. Because of the Holy Spirit, we can pray for miracles and, and believe that God can do that. Because of the Holy Spirit, we can pray for the dead to come back to life. And if it's God's will, we can see that happen. The gifts of the Holy Spirit manifest themselves profoundly natural ways. And they manifest themselves in profoundly supernatural ways. And we have been given the gifts of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we're going to talk more about what that means and what that doesn't mean. Because we're called to not seek the gifts. We're called to seek the giver. So we don't want to get caught up in hysteria and, and chasing after all these things that are the fruit of the Holy Spirit and somehow ignore God in all of it. But we're going to talk more about that, that later. But for each one of us, when we become a Christian, we are immersed, soaked by the Holy Spirit, and we receive a special kind of power. It's not a superpower. It's not somehow our ability to do all of these amazing things. We don't become Iron Man, or I guess he doesn't really have superpowers. He's just rich. Um, somebody who has super, uh, Superman has superpowers. We don't just become a superhero. We, we become empowered by the Holy Spirit that would allow us to live the new life that God has for us and to do all the things that God has for us to do up to and including the supernatural. But the last word we're going to look at today speaks to exactly that, to our new life. Back to verse 8. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, I want to unpack this just for a moment for you because you may not be aware of what all those things are. Jerusalem is the city where they're living. So, so that would be like for us, you'll be my witnesses in Airdrie. And then all Judea is kind of like the area surrounding. You, you will be my witnesses in Airdrie and, and sort of southern Alberta. Now, Samaria is important to include in there because what Samaria, and we're not going to get into all of this now, we certainly don't have the time, but what you need to understand about the inclusion of Samaria is that Samaria would be the people that their natural inclination of Jesus' followers would be to not like, to, to think of as not great. It would be like, and you will be my witnesses in Airdrie and southern Alberta, and even Edmonton. <laughs> that we look and we look at our neighbors up north and we go, eh. but Jesus includes them to let them know you don't get to play favorites. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, to Judea, to everybody, and to the ends of the earth means the exact same thing for them as it does for us today. The ends of the earth means the ends of the earth. It means everyone, everywhere. And the word that I want to focus on for our last word is what our lives are meant to be after the Holy Spirit comes on us, and it's the word uh, witnesses. 
The word that's used here is the used word martyrus. It's the Greek word, and it means a witness or an eyewitness. But what I want to talk to us about this morning means that, that for us, what I want to do is look at it through a word that we have that comes from this word. And as you look at that word, you may think there's an English word that is kind of close to that. You might look at that and you might see the word martyr. That's where This word is where we get the word martyr. Now, if you don't know what the word martyr means, it means someone who dies for something they believe in. And so we could translate this verse, and you will be my martyrs in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. But that isn't a perfect understanding of that either. Thank God. We're not called to just simply be witnesses, to, to be someone who tells the facts of something. If you're, you're a witness in court, what you're there to do is you're to tell the facts. And as followers of Jesus, we're, we're called to do more than, call, than just, just, just the facts, ma'am. We're, we're called to do more than that. But we're not all called to die either. But perhaps what we can understand is something sort of in the middle. That we are called to go into all the world and give our everything to bring people to Jesus. That, that we are called to go with all of the information we have and give our everything to see people come to know Jesus. That we're not just called to go give information and, and we're not just called to die but we're called to go and give our lives that, that as we go through our life and maybe you move around, maybe you have different jobs, maybe you go to different places, maybe you do different things, that your life today may not look like it looked five years ago and it may not look like what it's going to look like five years from now. Who knows? But the idea is this, that our lives are given to the cause of Jesus wherever we are. That wherever we go, that's how the gospel gets to the end of the earth, is we go every, but it's not about just simply saving for our 401k, and it's not just about getting to retirement, that, that the focus of our life is not our life, the focus of our life is Jesus. And so that's what we're getting at when we talk about being a witness. And next week, we're going to talk about what it meant for the disciples that Jesus told them that this would happen. We're going to talk about what it looked like when this did happen. But today, I want to just leave us with one last thing. I want to just read one last verse that, that's Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit. And it will help us to understand what we have in the Holy Spirit. Now, it's a passage that if you've gone to church for a long time, I'm sure you've heard this verse quoted. I'm sure that, you, that you've heard this verse talked about. We've talked about I know I've talked about it a lot. But something that we often do when we talk about this verse is we kind of stop short of really showing us what Jesus is talking about. And it's from Luke chapter 11. And it's Jesus talking about his father in heaven and how his father is a good father. In fact, his father is better than any earthly father. And he says this. He says, which of you fathers, 
If your son asks for, and then in the thing I copied from, there was a little F there, or a little note for the bottom. I forgot to delete that. Sorry. But which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Which of you fathers, if you're a good father, which of you, if your son or your, your child asks for something they need, will give them something to hurt them? Which of, your, which of you, as, as parents, if your children were to come to you and say, Dad, I, I'm hungry, can I have some fish to eat, would give them something that would harm them? Hopefully none of us. And then Jesus will go on to say this. If you then, though you are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, if you know what it is to give a good gift, even though you're not good like our Heavenly Father is good, in fact, you're predisposed to evil, but even in that case, you know to give good gifts, then he goes on to say this, how much more will your Father in Heaven Give, and this is often where we stop because we want to highlight God's goodness and say, God, God has gifts to give. But specifically, Jesus highlights one gift for us. He will say, now how much more will your Father in heaven who is perfect in all of his ways, who knows everything, when we come to him and we ask him, God, would you help? Would you be with? Would you send your, would you care? Would you love for me? How much more will your Father in heaven give you the best gift that he has how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask them? As we spend the next few weeks exploring the Holy Spirit, we are exploring the best gift that our Father in heaven has to give us. The best gift that he has for you. I got a smoker for Christmas this year. It's better than that. Yvonne got a cricket for Christmas this year. It's better than that. The best gift. And not like a real cricket. If you don't know what that is, you can ask her later. Um, but it's better than that. It is the best gift that heaven has for you. Is the Holy Spirit. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to explore this gift that our Father in heaven has for you. Let's pray together. Well, Father God, we thank you for the gift that you've given us, the gift of your Holy Spirit. God, I thank you that, that when, when you left as Jesus, as when, when, when Jesus left, God, we weren't abandoned. We weren't left orphans. But God, I thank you that you gave us something even better. You gave the best gift that heaven had. For each one of us, in each one of our lives, you gave us your Holy Spirit. And God, I pray that as we spend the next few weeks discovering the gift that we've been given, God, I pray that you would open our hearts and our lives and our eyes to receive from you in a new and a powerful way the gift that we have in the Holy Spirit. God, I thank you that we have been given your spirit 
in each one of us. And God, I thank you that it empowers us and it gives us the gifts and the talents, the abilities, the the patience, the endurance to live the life you've called us to live. God, I thank you that you gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit. And God, I pray that as we discover together all that you have for us, God, may we become an even more spirit-led people. May we become even more spirit-empowered people. May we become even more people who live life in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. I'm tired of forcing moments, conjuring up emotions, put your name on it. Thanks again for being a part of this message from Hillside Church. We pray that God was able to speak to you through what was shared. We're so grateful to be able to share God's word with our church community and family, and that includes you. And we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Hillside Airdrie. You can contact us through email at info at hillsideairdrie.ca, or you can go to hillsideairdrie.ca and click on Contact Us from the main menu. Or you can find our pastoral team contact by clicking on Our Pastors, from the Our Church drop-down menu. Our vision for everyone that shares in Hillside Church is that they would know God, know his hope, know his purpose, and know his power in their lives. And we pray this message ministered to you. At Hillside Church, we're a family not by blood, but a family that's been bought by blood. As family we go.